Hello and welcome to The Swedish Winger, episode 12. I'm Lars, your host. And on today's episode, I will discuss the World Juniors from Swedish perspective. Some uh, uh, Niederbach and Liam Dauer Nilsson discussions. And a few listener questions. Imagine that, I have some of those as well. Uh, not questions, listeners actually. As I speak, there are actually some... SHL team exhibition games going on. Rögle is playing, but none of the Swedes are. Marco Kasper is down with the sickness, and Valinder and Niederbach are probably having some time off due to World Juniors. And Anton Johansson's team, Lexand, is playing, but he's not in the lineup. I'm not sure as to why. But I'm not sure he's slated to be an SHL player this year either. So that might be one of the reasons. Well, he's not in lineup anyway. So all in all, quite an uneventful uh, evening for Red Wings fans. So let's start with the um, with the World Juniors. There was a lot of talk, naturally, because Sweden played so poorly. I mean, they won they won the bronze, and that's. That's not bad for a Swedish team, especially a team that were, were lacking so many offensive players, um, especially forward offensive players. And um, there was a lot of talk about Simon Edvinsson having a kind of a lackluster tournament. And to be fair or to be honest, I don't think you should read anything at all into that. I think um, if you look at this World Juniors and Edvinsson's um, performance, and you think that you can read anything into it, I think you're way off the mark, and you're pretty much, well, it seems like he's, um, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, a disappointment that really isn't there. There is no reason whatsoever to be nervous about Simon Edvinsson. The kid is class through and through. He has everything he's touted to have and then some. So just feeling that a lackluster World Juniors where he uh, he started off with uh, food poisoning and uh, he still played as much as he did. And um, there was some talk about the uh, some of the plays he made, that he made some high-risk plays, but there's, there's reasonable explanations to that looking at Sweden's squad. Simone Edvinsson is a guy who's thinking offense all the time. And um, just uh, circling back to to make a, a, a safe play only works if there's a safe play to be had. You can't just go defender to defender for 20 minutes and expect to win the game. Because the problem is the, the Swedish forward core was not a good one they were not up to to par to to play in the world juniors and yet they took the bronze anyway and if you're playing as as a defender looking to make the pass and you never get the the obvious pass eventually you'll make like push for a play that really might not be there just to see if you can can hit the seam and make the make a, someone get a, a decent chance or a shot on goal and there weren't many players in the Swedish team that were that type of players. I mean, Sweden had huge problems just 
gaining the zone and staying pressuring opponents they were they were playing middle of the ice so much just looking for plays and never getting there the team didn't click whatsoever so looking at Simone Edvinsson as uh, being poor to me it was more like Sweden played poorly Um, not many of the players performed up to their standard and the team didn't gel at all whatsoever there are some issues tactically you could point to that that Sweden played a strange kind of tactic. It felt like they were playing to win with the the odd goal. Defense first. We usually do. Sweden is not the most offensive type uh, style. It's more of a possession game, looking for the the openings. But we didn't have any openings, so it just it was like watching guys just skate on their own, doing not much uh, at all. The only forward that kind of impressed me was the undrafted Åke Stakkestad, who is... Um, I, I can't really think he'll be unsigned as an a- a- NHLer for long. Uh, there should be some team really looking to, to pick the rights to him up, because um, every team needs a player with that type of energy that he had. So that was the pretty much the only forward. And uh, Jonathan Leckermäck and Liam Ögren, as talented as they are, they really showed how difficult it can be as an underager to perform with the older kids when there's not much to the team that's clicking. It's just looking lackluster and and poorly executed in, in the offensive zone and the offensive play all the time. You're not doing yourselves any favors by by starting to doubt Simon Edvinsson now for for that tournament. Cause just wait and see. Just wait and see until camp. Uh, if he's absolute trash there without carrying any injuries or anything like that, then maybe you can have like a discussion to whether or not you see him as a a Griffins player. But to me, he's he's probably the second best defender. In the Detroit Red Wings team today, there's there's no no one better than than Moritz either, but Simone Edvinsson is right behind him. The only reason not to play him in the Red Wings team right now is to to build him up slowly to get the confidence and or get accustomed to the the ice surface, the size of the ice. But that's about it, because quality wise, he's already the second best defender in the squad. There's no one else. It's Sider, it's Edvinson, and then there's nobody close. And then you have Albert Johansson as the third best. And then whatever we have signed beyond that, Ronek, Charot, or whatever, they're, they're fourth, fifth, and sixth quality-wise players. But naturally, there will be a, a learning period and learning curve. And depending on how they play during camp, we'll see if they make the squad. That's an Iserman de Lalonde decision, I guess. As for for Theodor Niederbach, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot made that he didn't score enough and that he took some stupid penalties. Uh, yes and no. The the one where he got ejected was never a, a game misconduct. That that was a poorly called penalty by the referee. IIHF rules or not, yeah, that was just bad, and that made him look like he was well not up to par or up to speed with the game. And uh, I disagree. 
I think he had four goals or four points rather uh, during the tournament, which might be like you you think it's too too few points, but all in all, Sweden don't score many goals in this tournament. It was quite poor offensively, like I said. If you look at Theodor Niederbach's performance, if there was a Selkie trophy for World Juniors, it would be Niederbach's to take home, and that's pretty much how I see it. He was the uh, defensive forward for Team Sweden. He really stuck out. He erased his opponents. He was the uh, Philippe Dano of the Swedish team. He was awesome defensively. He did absolutely no single thing wrong defensively. He looked so sharp and he had some very nice plays as well in the uh, offensive zone that his teammates just couldn't capitalize on. He had a behind-the-back pass that just passed the crease and got whiffed on. I think he looked really good and... uh, same thing, it's been a lot of talk about his skating. I know uh, Brad on uh, the Winged Wheel podcast had some uh, some ideas about his skating, and I agree to a point. But also, I think the idea that skating is so important, it's kind of fading away a bit. And Hockey IQ or Hockey Sense or whatever you want to call it, is being rather put to the forefront. Because a player who has the smarts, and Theodor Niedbach is not a, as poor of a skater that he's he's not like um, he can't hang with the with the professionals. He's a decent skater. He's not fast by any chance, but he has that capacity of slowing the game down, finding the seams because he has that smarts. So I'm not too worried about his skating either. Actually, I think he has it in a way that. It, it'll do sure he could be better everybody could be better but i don't think it handicaps him in a way that he'll never make it in the show i'd rather say that his smarts is what's going to bring him over to the nhl and i really do think he'll make it so there's pretty much where i see theodor niederbach right now he was he had an awesome tournament defensively he didn't have an awesome tournament offensively but exactly zero players in the Swedish team did. They just didn't score. They definitely didn't score 5-on-5. Five five. They played poorly. So what's a forward supposed to do when nothing is working? If your teammate's skill is not up to par and your coach doesn't really change much and just let it ride. I mean, getting the bronze is pretty much... That, that should be awarded with a huge round of applause because that team should not walk away from this tournament with a bronze because they played poorly they they didn't click and they won the bronze I, I find that perplexing and amazing and then you have William Valinda who had an anonymous tournament considering his role he was not in the original team so making it to this team is is good I'd say I mean he wasn't supposed to be there had the tournament not been cancelled due to the plague uh, he wouldn't have made this tournament and I think as a third pairing D-man and the penalty killer I think he did well uh, he didn't like many others perform especially especially impressively uh, offensively but he did play a very sol- solid defensive game and that's been like 
one of these things people have have pointed as to one of his weaknesses that he's not good enough defensively so i think that's a huge leap forward for him yeah it didn't look like he was this amazing um, forward offensive defenseman but he was so solid defensively and i think sweden had one of the best penalty kill units in uh, in the tournament so Hey, William Olinder, I'm 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 well happy in how he played. So a lot of the negativity around the Swedish team or the Swedish prospects, I I really don't understand it. I think it's um, blown out of proportion quite fiercely, actually. So I'm not really worried uh, at all. So that's that. There were some other things that kind of annoyed me during the the tournament. Well, not annoyed. I looked back to look back on Twitter during the the intermissions and such because Jesper Wallstedt was one of my favorite picks for Detroit and um, we didn't pick him as always he performs just fantastically he was the, easily the goalie of the tournament he uh, he's just so solid he doesn't make mistakes the goals that that are scored on him are like fluke goals he had one or two weak ones but overall, he's just so good. And um, he's a guy who's been playing above his age group every single time he's in a tournament. He's been one or two years younger than everyone else. And now that he plays with age-wise his equals, he's uh, head and shoulders above the second best goalie. And um, that's where I put him. So... As a guy who really hoped we were picking Wallstedt when uh, Iceman traded up and we picked Kosa. And I know this is a marathon and not a sprint. But um, quality wise Kosa has, uh, well to put it mildly, some catching up to do. He's big and he's athletic but his fundamentals are not sexy at all. And um, yeah I hope he catches up. I hope he grows into his body and I hope he gets his his movements together so he slides less. Stay in the crease. If you're that big, don't chase the puck. Just cut the angles. Stay in the crease. That's it with the goalie issue, I guess. I think uh, also when I was looking at it, at my old tweets surrounding the draft and the, the guys I wanted to pick... The Swedish uh, backup goalie, Kalle Klang, was one of the guys I really wanted. He's apparently going to Anaheim now, and he's really, really good. He was good in the SHL, and he was good in the games he played in the World Juniors. And then you have um, Helge Grans. Grans. He's also one of the best Swedish defenders in the tournament. Uh, He was there. We didn't pick him. I think we picked Niederbach instead. I might have to look that up. And the same thing with... um, Andrea, we didn't pick him either, and he was right there for us to pick. Yeah, so I looked it up, and we picked William Valinder at 32, and uh, Helge Grons was picked by Los Angeles at 35, and then we picked Theodor Niederbach at 51, and Emil Andrea was picked at 54 by the Flyers. But that doesn't mean that we failed with our picks, because both William Wallinder and Theodor Niederbach are really interesting prospects. It's just that watching them do so well when I was screaming for them to be picked by Detroit is kind of annoying. But also, 
Donovan Sebrango in uh, in Canada was uh, he was a fun watch. I think he was really good. He impressed me a lot, and I think uh, a season or two more in the Griffins, and he'll be he'll be at least knocking on the door. I don't think he's ready yet, but I think he will be. And I think he's a guy who will get NHL games. But he's also a left-handed player and a left-shooting player. So then we have Edvinsson, Johansson, Valinder, Sebrango. We have way too many lefties. Fair enough, there's a couple of them who could play their, their offside or their offhand. But I'd rather have lefties and righties paired up. It becomes a little bit like the Nintendo 8-bit ones on the on the NES where you had to mix the thin ones, the fat ones, and the in-between ones to make the perfect t- team. And you, you want that with your with your defenders as well, that they have their stick the, the, the correct way. Carter Mazur was also a, a really interesting watch. I think he did extremely well. Another guy I'd... I love to see him in the AHL so you can really watch him play competitive hockey against really strong opponents because he, he looked very, very good. I, I really like watching him. So Another guy who's getting some traction right now is Liam Dove-Nilsson in uh, the Frölund organization. He's drafted as a center. We've been talking back and forth whether whether or not he'll stick as a center or or a winger. And um, from the games I've seen so far, he's pretty much the first-line left winger right now. But that's also the way it is with young centers in the uh, SHL. So usually they start on the wing and work their way to the center position. It's the same thing with the, that we had with um, Elmer Söderblom, for example. He played center a lot in the J20 league, but I don't think he played center more than one or two games in Frölunda. So we'll see where that end up, ends up, because um, imagine if we can get Elmer to, to become a center. That's not going to be fun as a defenseman. Back to the World Juniors, and this is not a, a player discussion rather than a tournament discussion. As much as I understand why people don't want to go to a... World Juniors in August in in the summer in Canada. I'm starting to think that wouldn't it actually be better for the game and the growing of the game if they are going to run it in August anyway? Why not put it in Czechia or Slovakia or Switzerland or one of those countries to make like to build some hype around it and uh, also the IIHF they they need to to uh, to look at how things are priced, because if you wanna, if you want people to watch their that tournament live, to to create some kind of atm- atmosphere during the games, lower the prices, let kids under let's say eighteen watch the game for free. If at least in some sections, get people in the arenas. Because I mean, it was a ghost town up until the final. It was horrible, and the final was a fantastic game. But there was just no interest. And I understand all about the the scandals and how disappointed and disgusted you are with Hockey Canada. And that's just another reason, I reckon, to have it somewhere else for a little while. It doesn't have to be USA or Canada every other year 
and then sometimes in Europe because uh, if you really want to grow the game and make people watch the best young talents in the world let Europe watch with with decent pricing I think August or not people would go because there's a lot of a lot of talk about some of the players the Swedes know that if if there's a guy who they really want to watch that would be touted as the the next one if you wish if it's Bedard or or whoever they would come simply to watch him i mean i remember when when the juniors were in my hometown of Yavle the the canadian team was amazing uh, we had peter forsberg in our team it was a lot of people just hyped and psyched to go to those games and and Yavle is a small town of about 100,000 people and the arena, I think back then, was about six, six and a half thousand. I mean, it would have been cool. And I think, for hockey's sake, I, I think we need to spread the wealth a bit. Let let cities that usually don't you know, get these type of tournaments get them. Even if it's in the US or Canada, give it to, to smaller cities and hype them up a bit. So, so you get to grow the game more. Because just same old same old cities and same old countries uh, and expensive as hell it's it's just not going to work in the long run and i think everybody deserves to see some quality hockey live with the national team so that's just my 5 cents on it so for the questions from from twitter i had one from uh, Katy lady uh, all thing at all things detroit through the development camp and now the world juniors has edvinson looked off it could be the time changes, the new stick, food poisoning, probably a combination of all those things. But he hasn't seemed quite right. Uh, sorry if you talked about it already. I did. Uh, but you don't have to apologize. Ever. So that's no problem. But as I've said before, there's a lot of reason why Edison didn't look fantastic this tournament. And it's probably all of those reasons mentioned but there's no reason to worry none whatsoever and if it is something that is carrying some kind of injury he'll get it fixed and he'll come back as good as he was or even better so the kid has all the quality in the world there's no reason to worry unless he has a career-ending injury now let's hope not right and then we have a question from Trey Ace 8 What's the rankings you would give our Swedish prospects and what chances do you think they have of making the NHL? I did some rankings in my seventh episode and um, I'd say it's pretty much the same right now. But I'll give it 10 to 15 games into the SHL season and I'll rank the SHL Swedes that are in the, the Detroit pipeline. But uh, all in all, I mean, I think the future is bright. I think uh, it's looking really good. We have some really good prospects. We have, I think we're going to hit on way more prospects than normal from these guys. I think Albert Johansson will play. Simone Edvinson will play. I think William Linder will play on this. This is naturally if they're, if they're not traded before they make it to Detroit. I wouldn't be surprised if Theodor Niederbach ends up a third-line center. 
I wouldn't be surprised if, if Liam Dover Nilsson ends up a second or third line center or winger. Because they have the qualities. Uh, then, it, then there's naturally a million things that have to go right. But the, uh, the raw material in these players is so good. It's fantastic. Elmer Söderblom, um, late pick as uh, as a guy I have prophesized <laughs> that he'll play. I think he'll play. I'm I'm actually even quite sure he'll play. I think he'll hit the ground running in the AHL. I'm not entirely sure he'll play NHL games this year, but I really think he'll play. And as Considering how late he was picked, I think that's a massive success. And then there's naturally guys that we have had that we picked that everybody th- figured were fantastic picks or very interesting picks before. Um, Albin Greve jumps to mind. The most unlucky Swede I've seen in ages. Injuries, switching teams, cancelled seasons, whatever. I think he's still in Mora in Hockeyhalsvenskan, so I'll follow him during the season. But as far as making to the NHL, I sincerely doubt it. He's not dominating in the Hockeyhalsvenskan, which is the league below SHL, so I, I can't really see him making much of an, much noise over there. Other questions. Do you see Antonio Wanson and Luke? Uh, Liam Dovenilson making and sticking with their SHL teams this season. Does Pontus Andreasson have a chance to see time in Detroit? Anton Johansson? I really don't think he'll play uh, more than f- 10 to 15 games in the SHL. And that I think that would be awesome for him. But I don't think he'll be the one of the six defenders in, in Leksand. It's a fairly good team. And he's fairly raw, so I don't think so. I, I I'm happy to be surprised. I'll I'm going to talk to one of my friends who supports that horrific team and see what he reckons. But as far as I can see, I don't think he'll play in the SHL much this year. But he has as much as many of these young kids. He he has the raw materials to become something. So we'll see. At least he's huge. Lengthwise, uh, string being otherwise. Hello, Liam Dover Nilsson. I'm. I've spoke. I've spoken about him. Uh, I'm positive. Uh, I'm fairly sure he'll get games in Frölunda. I think they would be stupid to put him back into J20s if they loan him to Hockelsvenskan to make like to take a prominent spot on a on a decent team there like Oik uh, or Björklöven or something like that. Sure, fine. But I really do think he'll play for Frölunda. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing higher in the lineup than many think. I mean, during this exhibition games, he's played first line left winger in a couple of them and done well. So, why not? And who was the last one? It was Pontus Andreasson, yes. I think he'll uh, start in the uh, Grand Rapid Griffins. I'm fairly certain that's where he, where he will start. But... He is also quality-wise, compared to other players on the team, I think he can compete for a spot. I think he would be a very early call-up if there's injuries, if he does start in the AHL. 
but I wouldn't be surprised if he outcompetes some of the the guys we already have. Uh, Fabry is injured, but Kubalik, new guy. Pontus Adrian or Kubalik. I don't know. I don't think there's much difference between them. So that's where I think the one who works the hardest and plays the the best overall game will get the spot. And um, he's 23, so he's still young. Yeah, he's an interesting player. He plays with um, with pace and urgency, and he he doesn't shy away from from much. So I think that he could be. It could be a dark horse to play some third line minutes. And I hope he does. I hope you get to see a lot of him because he's, he's a fun player to watch. At Black Hurricane or BLK Hurricane. Where do you see the wings in their rebuild process? Are they getting too good too soon? Is the pipeline strong enough to build a real competitor? Uh, what need to, needs to happen for Bergina to make the roster? I don't see... Uh, a real path for him outside injuries and trades. I think injuries and trades will naturally happen. Uh, I think Bergen makes the team as well. I think he should make the team. He has the qualities. I would hope Bergen is in the Red Wings team when the when the season starts. I know there's a lot of people questioning questioning it, but um, I th- I think he'll surprise a lot of people come come training camp. As for where they are in their rebuilds, I've been pessimistic from uh, well for a very long time. I haven't said that that I think they'll compete anytime soon, and uh, I think they might if everything goes right this season. I mean, if everything really goes right and Lalonde get them gets them to play perfectly, basically, because that's what it's going to take. They need to play perfectly. They need to have some guys who really kick the door in and show that they are NHLers, even though they haven't played many NHL, if any NHL games yet. And I think maybe wildcard. Why not? So that's that's a huge step in the positive direction for me. Have they gone become good too soon? I guess there's different ways to build a team if you look at what Las Vegas did after the uh, expansion draft they built a team without any real superstars and Detroit has Lucas Raymond and Moritz Seider that are already very close to superstardom according to me they have Dylan Larkin who's solidified that first center spot even though some people reckon he's not good enough for as a first C on a contending team, but if you have three Larkins in your team, and I wouldn't say that's impossible in two or three years, that we have, let's say, let's say Elmer sticks as center, and it, and he performs well. Let's say we have Larkin as a first C, Elmer as the second C, and Niederbach or Do- Dover Nilsson as the third C or wingers. I mean, we have so many solid prospects that becoming good too soon I don't think that's a problem and if a team becomes good too soon if we need more of an edge get more absolute top quality players they will be there on in free agency and who is better to, to, to persuade them to come to Detroit to take a prominent spot on a team pushing to make 
at least the Stanley Cup final than Steve Eiserman. Um We saw Nassim Kadri have a hell of a season, and he just signed with Calgary. So, if we ever have, like, the one spot we need to fill, yeah, sure, why not? I don't think becoming too good too soon is much of a problem. It's getting old and slow that's the huge problem. If you if you can haul in this, that's when I'm when I get worried. If we start signing thirty four year olds to four year contracts, that's when I start to worry. And I don't see I I don't think Steve Eisenman is that kind of GM. There's nothing in his history that suggests that that, that is the case. So I'm I'm confident that we are on the right path, and I'm uncharacteristically positive. For those who actually know me uh, in real life, which would be uh, pretty much zero people who listens to this pod, uh, they would be amazed that I'm saying positive things because I'm usually very very pessimistic. Oris Smith, one seven nine two two nine seven one says assessment of three wing Swedes prospect Swedish prospects in the world juniors yeah um, he also says he ran into three grizzly bears while fly fishing uh, why why go out in the woods where there's bears of that size I would never but yes yeah, sh- nope I wouldn't big bears scares me as for the assessment of the three wings I think I've done that like I said just stay positive on on all three because they did it well considering how shit Sweden were so shit team won bronze medal a lot of thanks to the the Red Wings three three prospects playing very solidly defensively so what's not to love about that eh? whoa 40 minutes of talking right now I'm gonna edit this so it might just be a little less and um, I think that's my longest episode yet but it's been kind of a long uh, long break because pretty much nothing's happening. Finally, we're closing in on camps and exhibition games and season starts. And the SHL is kicking off soon. My vacation is over. Shit. That's life, eh? So, that's the episode for this time around. And I'll, I'll get back on our regular recordings. There will be more news dropping, I guess. Even Lou Amarello started signing signing players and doing so in an official way, putting shit out on Twitter. So we know that the uh, stuff is starting to happen. So until next time, I'll see you around. Cheers. Yeah, also, I bought a horse. We bought a little pony. It's called a Halflinger. And uh, naturally, we named him Elmer.